When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is John from the Gen X Grown Up Podcast, and I'd like to thank you for checking out this rebroadcast of one of our most popular Christmas-themed episodes. If you're a regular listener, you know that Gen X Grown Up is a podcast by and for Generation Xers celebrating our love and nostalgia for all things Gen X. And as such, we occasionally use some uh, colorful language. As this episode is being highlighted on Evergreen Cheer, we wanted to make sure it's completely friendly for listeners of all ages. So in the rare case that somebody says or or even you'll instead hear a bit of extra Christmas cheer in the form of a sleigh bell. (laughs) Thanks for listening and a very happy holidays to you and yours. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listeners to this Backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I'm John. Joining me as always is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And you know that Mo is here. Hey, everybody. You know, TV watching this time of year puts a lot of focus on classic specials like Rudolph and Frosty and Charlie Brown. Mm -hmm. But there's another class of Christmas special that shouldn't be forgotten. And that's when your favorite regular series put out this Christmas-themed edition kind of once a year. Uh, And in this show, we're going to remember some of our favorite Christmas-themed TV episodes and talk about those and kind of reminisce on that. Something that's also very, very special is our fourth listener. And before we get started with the show, we're going to start with some (laughs) listener email. Fourth listener this time around is our longtime listener and patron, Stu Monkey, who wrote in with the subject line, Toy Store Memory. I'm sure referring to our Toy Store Backtrack that we did just a couple weeks back. Stu Monkey says, yo guys, on the Toy Store topic, our mall had a KB Toy Store, which was much better than the Woolworth or other department store toy aisles. But Mm. for some reason, KB never had what I was into or looking for. New Orleans, about a half an hour away from me, had a powerhouse Toys R Us store, and that was worth the two-hour round trip if you had the chance to go with a family or friends. Wow. Man, a two-hour round trip. George, what was your excuse that you didn't drive two hours to a Toys R Us? You said (laughs) it wasn't in your town. I completely disagree that it was better than Woolworth if he had to go to a toy store two Mm. hours away. Second of all, he said, a family? Like, could you just pick a family and get in their car? (laughs) Or... As a kid, yeah, you probably like, hey, where are you going? <laughs> you going right. to, you're going to Toys R Us? I'm in. He goes on to say that I remember my uncle bought me my first wire controlled airplane from Toys R Us when he was oh, on wow. business in New Orleans. It was pretty epic for the time. Gas powered remote controlled plane, but instead of a remote, it had mm-hmm. a handle tied mm-hmm. to a string on the plane. You had to let run out of gas before it landed. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I remember those. Absolutely. You just spin around in a circle while that thing's flying over yeah, your yeah, head. You, yep. You get nauseous, but yeah. Or you stand what? in one spot and don't move and it just wraps around your neck really quickly. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> just, it takes care of the time. That's, yeah. It's, it's it almost sounds like all. George has some personal experience with this <laughs> 
rope getting wrapped around him. <laughs> I I don't remember those. It's, so it was like a gas powered plane on a rope, and it just yeah, flew like so it died? and it flew around in circles. You basically held on <laughs> yeah. to it for all your life. You pulled the trigger, and it just went. And that was yeah. it. Yeah. And they were loud as hell, if I remember correctly. They too. were. Yeah. Well, they were an internal combustion engine. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> on the end of a string, as on a the end of a, string. As a toy for a child. <laughs> what could go wrong? Perfect. <laughs> Ages three and up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're two, you shouldn't be playing with this. <laughs> <laughs> Stu Monkey goes on to say, We were lucky enough to have a hobby shop locally, and they sold model rocket sets, toy models, et cetera. Oh, neat. Mm-hmm. They were a bit more sophisticated than toy stores. For some reason, my mother, though, bought me snap-together toy models every year for birthdays, Christmas from the hobby shop. I guess she thought the glue models were too complicated for me. <laughs> Manage expectations, I guess. Maybe. You know, I bought the snap-tight models. I, they were easy. I think because I didn't have to then buy glue because I was broke and cheap. And I'm like, well, I don't have to buy glue this way. So. Stu Monkey wraps it up by saying, keep up the rad work. May the fourth listener be with you. Sweet. Thanks, awesome. man. The, we didn't even talk about the hobby stores in our toy store thing, but that's something that's still going pretty strong. I mean, I think every town has a couple of hobby stores for the, what, you got trains and- RC what, stuff, remote control right, stuff is yeah, big, yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other angle. So thanks for writing in. We appreciate it every time the fourth listener writes in. If you'd like your email featured here on the show, just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. Every single one gets read and most of them make the show just like this one. Now, in preparation for the show, each of us had to put a lot of grueling effort watching yeah. some old TV shows. And uh, that was- no great heartache for me, I can tell you. As we mentioned at the top, we went back and we picked some of our favorite Christmas-themed holiday episodes, and we are going to get into those right after this break. Stick around. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. With Pillsbury Sugar Cookies, you can help kids create their own Christmas treats. I made a little angel. Actually, my mommy helped. It was easy. This Santa has a problem. My Santa's cheeks got chubby in the oven. You know how I made it? Frosting and gumdrops. The wing broke off and I ate it. Everyone loves Pillsbury Cookies, fresh and hot. Ooh, ho, ho. Eating's the best, no problem. We're talking in this episode about those Christmas-themed episodes of regular TV shows. Not, mm-hmm. you know, Rudolph Comes to Town or How Call Santa Claus Christmas. Got His right, got his Hat or any of those specials. <laughs> but your regular shows that were on back then 26 episodes a year, which is unheard of in this age <laughs> yeah, of streaming. But they would always have a Christmas episode. Well, I won't say every single one of them, but it was very, very frequent. I mean, we went looking online, searching, and there are hundreds of yeah, oh, yeah. well-remembered I think Christmas that was the hardest part was... It was trimming it down to just a few. Narrowing it down, yeah. (laughs) So why do you think, I mean, there's no Easter episode preponderance out there. There's no Groundhog's Day, you know. (laughs) Why why are there Christmas episodes of so many shows that have nothing to do, zero to do with Christmas? Why do you think that was so popular and still is? Hmm. Honestly, it's because it's the most popular holiday of the year in the U.S. That's as simple as it gets. I mean, how many Easter resurrection stories can you do? Really? Mm-hmm. But with Christmas, it's all about, <laughs> you know, doing something good for people and it's about, yeah. you know, giving presents or it's about the bad person turning good. You can weave all kinds of themes into those types of episodes. Groundhog mm. Day? What are you going to say? Oh, okay. And another muskrat <laughs> came out of a <laughs> hole. And, uh, right, you know, Thanksgiving, right, right. maybe you could do a couple episodes here yeah. and there. Halloween is another one that has yes, a lot of episodes. Should, so maybe yeah. we can do some of that. But mm, okay. I would say Christmas is the most popular holiday and that's why there were so many episodes being a little bit of a cynical side of this is also because back in the day remember i mean tv audiences 
at Christmas time, that advertising time was probably primo. Oh, if, that's so. If you have a Christmas episode, then you know. So th- there's a marketing angle too. I would you're think, saying, right? I would think. Oh yeah, I hadn't thought of that. There's so many themes in Christmas you could do that kind of lend themselves to to a different kind of narrative to weave into their story. I guess. Okay, yeah. I guess that makes sense. So we picked some of our favorites. I think we picked about what nine or ten for right. this episode. There are hundreds, as we had said. <laughs> so uh, we kind of grouped them by era. So we're starting as far back as we can before we even got to the 70s. So this first pick was still is today one of my favorite shows. So there's an episode of Dragnet. Now, you need to know a little <laughs> bit about... Now, don't be laughing at my Dragnet. Now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. It was, it was, a, it was a... What was it? Um, a very innocent episode. Oh, so you're remembering the episode already, right? Oh, yeah. So you have to know a little bit about Dragnet. So Dragnet's been around for... Well, Jeez. since radio era in the 40s. And then it had... what The Dragnet most people know is the one that aired in the 60s. And that's the one that had Bill Gannon, played by Harry Morgan, who's you know Colonel Potter from oh, MASH. Yeah, yeah. But that was the second television series of Dragnet. There was another one that ran in the mid 50s. And that's the run that I picked this episode from. So season three, all the way back in 1953, is an episode called The Big Little Jesus. Yeah. And I'm calling shenanigans right away. Okay. Why are you calling shenanigans on me? Because as we stated, these are supposed to be Gen X era (laughs) Christmas episodes. 1953 is baby boomers right after the war. I mean, come on. There's no way that's Gen X. Why in the world does this make our list? Listen, because I spent so much time watching TV as a kid and it wasn't just TV shows created when I was a kid, right? So I watched tons of Gomer Pyle and Leave it to Beaver and that stuff that came from the 50s. And so as latchkey kids, as you mentioned in one of your recent videos on YouTube, Mo, Mm -hmm. even though these are older shows, they heavily influenced me as a kid. So that's why a 1953 Dragnet fits, I argue. So you're claiming reheated hash brown reruns or something as part of Gen X? That just seems weak, but okay, whatever. I, I'm owning I, it. I'm, I'm g- owning it. John, I got your back on this one. I think you're right. <laughs> you got his back. You're old as yeah. dirt too. Of course exactly. you got his That's back. That's why I have his I think I have his back. <laughs> Mo watched it first run. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that episode first aired, I remember. Yeah. We had to turn the windmill to generate electricity. <laughs> That's right. Grandma had to run on the treadmill. So the title was The Big Little Jesus. And you should know that every Dragnet episode starts with the big something. There was like the big heist, the big jewelry robbery, whatever. And so they had to have that. So this one's called The Big Little Jesus. I got so much to say about that, but keep going. Did, okay, well, good. It. So we all watched these episodes in preparation for the show because we had not all seen all of them. Right. So... <laughs> A real quick summary of the the topic of this episode. It's one of my favorites, even though it's black and white and it's ancient, is it's Christmas Eve and this Father Rojas at this old mission discovers that the uh, in their nativity scene, the little statue of baby Jesus has been stolen. And they literally have like what, like 12 hours or 20 hours or something before uh, Christmas Day because everyone in the church knows this baby Jesus. It doesn't cost much. It's worth a couple of bucks. It's the sentimental value. And so Frank Smith and Joe Friday go off on the case to try to find this stolen baby Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> why, I wonder why you're laughing. I, I laughed a lot watching this it's, episode. It's not a comedy, though. <laughs> I know, but I mean, and again, it's just, I think it just goes back to that more innocent time kind of thing. But mm-hmm. one, the idea of any police force dedicating <laughs> two people for 12 hours <laughs> focused on 
finding, I'm sorry, an obscenely large baby Jesus in respect to the <laughs> rest of the nativity scene. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it just cracked me up because I mean, and it just, it was like, not like hilarious. It was just like kind of a heartwarming laugh because I said, wow, there was a time when people just accepted this. Like this was cool. Like this was. It was a time of more innocence. To yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then the priest was like, this is the only baby Jesus that people have known. And if we don't have this back, it's really going to like, I'm like, oh my God. Here's 10 bucks. Go buy a new one. Oh, well, okay. So, so I'm torn and confused a little bit because at the beginning of the episode, what does it always say on Dragnet? The names and places oh, have right. been changed to protect the innocent. This is based mm-hmm. on a true story. So right. was this really based on a true story? <laughs> because if so, that kind of shuts down Mo's argument about, you know, dedicating two policemen. And apparently somebody at some well, point said, there's a baby Jesus missing. Send in the SWAT team. We've got to go find this statue. Well, the magic word in that statement is based. That doesn't mean it actually happens. It means something like it happened. And like then... somebody reported a baby Jesus stole and they said, okay, and they filed it away. Right. All right. That's, there you go. that's a Dragnet episode. Let's go. Well, talking back to the episode, though, so to George's point, the reason I love this episode so much is because it's everything about Christmas. It's these little beacons of light and otherwise mundane stuff that are heartwarming. So you'll remember that midway through the episode, what you said, Mo's like, cops shouldn't be wasting their time on this. We have a sting going on. We got this stuff. And the chief tells them, you guys need to go off work on this other thing. He tells them, fine, you call the priest and tell him that we drop in the <laughs> <Yeah>. case. <laughs> and he goes, you know what? You guys go ahead and work it after all. He has, he has a little moment of like, maybe it's okay. The best part of that scene was after Friday and his partner leave, the police chief walked toward the camera and he gives that sly little smirk like, hmm, I guess those guys are right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like... Oh my God, that was so horrible. But I, I like the story. The storyline yeah. was cute and fun. And if you could suspend your modern sensibilities, you could enjoy the story. But mm-hmm. oh my God, was the writing awful. The editing <laughs> was terrible. The acting was wooden as a board. I, it, I, it, it was 50s television. I mean, there wasn't that kind of sophistication. Mm. It wasn't motion pictures back then, really, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, <laughs> you could tell it was at the start of a new medium, I guess, was when these episodes. Definitely early 50s. You're kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought the very beginning, though, is when I had my first laugh when uh, he's filling out all the Christmas cards. Right. He's like, oh, you got to get married. That's what you need a wife to do. The wife takes care of that. (laughs) You're cooking. That's throughout Dragnet. He's a confirmed bachelor. I know. But the sexism was just so thick. Oh, yeah. 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 And then they think they find a suspect and they track down the suspect to this, this uh, like men's shelter or home or whatever. Home. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yes, this kid saw him leaving the church and he had a bundle wrapped up and they track him down and they arrest him and they bring him in for questioning and it's even more sweet good-heartedness that was his clothes so he could go be in the choir he was also innocent yeah. and it's stuff you never see on dragnet i love that and then they find out they're like oh he's a sweethearted guy well but the the other part of that too though was to mo's point they just totally believed everything he said there was no hard questioning or anything like (laughs) come on tell me what's going on come on tell me what's going on all right what was in the package it was my pants okay you're free to go what the (laughs) there's no policeman in history 
that has ever said, oh, it was your pants. You can go ahead and leave. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can you produce the pants? Can you prove it? Can we get your fingerprints? Right. They do all that. He had an honest face, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> More, it isn't time for sure. Wow. Well, and so finally, the, the linchpin of this is if you look at it in like total stark, just generic eyes, it was a waste of an episode because we find out at the end that the baby Jesus was not actually missing. They go back to the to the priest to let yeah. him know that, listen, that, that it's it's late at night. We're not going to find it. We'll keep looking, you know, next week. Maybe we'll locate it. And they're about to walk out. And from way at the end of the pews, this little <laughs> kid with a red wagon comes squeaking <laughs> yeah. up the aisles on this painfully long shot. Oh, squeak, my God. Squeak, it took forever squeak, for this kid squeak, to walk squeak, up. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> and he had the baby Jesus in his wagon because he'd prayed to the baby Jesus for a wagon. He got a wagon and he promised he'd give the baby Jesus the first ride. And so he'd had it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and that whole segment is all in Spanish. You know, people in 1953 had to be losing their minds. What's he saying? <laughs> I can't understand it. What's he saying? Something's wrong with the TV. Why speaking American? <laughs> Jesus Cristo. I got that part in there. I know that <laughs> part's right. <laughs> oh, so my first one was Dragnet. Did, did you guys enjoy this one? I mean, it was. Oh, it was fun. It was I an odd Christmas it. episode. Well, got a lot of laughs. What'd you think, yeah. George? Yeah. I mean, it was fun. I didn't laugh, laugh so much like Mo did, but I I don't know. It was kind of like, I got to watch this hokey from 1953 for my Gen X episode. Okay, fine. I'll watch it. But then it really, I'll say the story pulled me through all the way, yeah, which was that's a good point. Good, oh, good. Nice. Okay, for good. that era of TV. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely cute. And, and a favorite of mine. It's, I won't say I want to watch every Christmas, but every time I see it's up or it pops up on a feed, I'll watch it again. Yeah. That's the only reason why we're talking about this episode right now is because it was a favorite of yours. <laughs> that's right. I win. <laughs> I got to pick a couple. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. The night before Christmas, an Oreo cookie's waiting for a special guest. I'll just take a little rest. Ho, 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 who's that kid with the Oreo cookies? Eating all the luscious chocolate, licking all the creamy middles, dunking all the crunchy cookies like he did when he was little. It's so hard. All right, so we're moving on into the 70s era now mm, TV yep. shows, which I guess you guys wanted me to do because I'm oldest or something. I don't know. I don't know uh, how I feel about that, but if okay. you feel good reason that that's what happened. I say we go with it. <laughs> okay. I want to start with one of my favorite episodes, one of my favorite shows of all time, which was Taxi. I love that oh, show. Thank you very much. <laughs> and they had a, uh, a Christmas episode called A Full House for Christmas. Danny DeVito's character, Louie, his brother's in town, and he's basically trying to get his brother to take some responsibility for their mom. And it winds up becoming like this whole poker game because his brother's a gambler. And they basically play poker, but the stakes are him taking his mom <laughs> for a while for Christmas. Christmas. Right. To, to Vegas, where he lives. To Vegas, right? where to, he lives. So that was actually the stakes. It was like, it was just so wrong. But if you watch the show at all, and think about Louis, you know, that's pro totally appropriate. Now, this was early first season. D yeah. Did, had they established that Louis even had a brother yet, or he just popped in? No, he just popped in. Okay. So yeah. this is one of those that some of them on our list, they're Christmas episodes for sure, but the Christmas thread is not so much the holidays. It's just how people get along and like family struggles sometimes during Christmas. I found this a depressing episode. Like his brother was 
such a jerk to their mom. And like he wouldn't even spend time with her. He stopped by for 10 minutes and came back to the taxi stand to play cards. Yeah. I'll tell you why for me, this was a depressing episode. There was no Andy Kaufman. John, you did a little quip at the beginning. There's no Andy Kaufman in this episode. Now, before he was there, I'm not a taxi fan at all as Mo is. I mean, I I know (laughs) of the show and I've watched an episode here or there, but I wasn't like a huge uber fan that i watched every single one of them but i agree with you john this it wasn't that the episode was depressing it to me honestly and mo i hate to say because i know it's one of your favorite shows it was just (laughs) kind of boring for me and i don't know if it's because there was no andy kaufman or because judd hirsch didn't really do a whole lot in the episode I mean, Danny DeVito's a hell of an actor. I love him in almost everything. I don't think he carried the episode well. Well, this was Uh, pre-Latka, like you said. So that that character wasn't in yet. But that's kind of how Taxi was. It was very dry as a show. It was 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 just guys sitting around a garage. It it had spikes, I think, but it wasn't like a dramatic powerhouse. It was more of kind of, am I right? Or what am I reading in Taxi? I was also on a super fan, Mo. No, it was kind of like, I put it on the same level. It's kind of like a Barney Miller sort of show. It's about the characters more so yeah yeah it's almost a drama it's barely a comedy sometimes i see i enjoy this one because one it was like Elaine, she's like trying to get them to like get into the christmas spirit and she's trying to have the whole party and all that stuff and she's like you're gonna love your gifts you got you know you guys do exchange gifts don't you and then the guy's like i guess we do now yeah <laughs> yeah but they, and that was my point though they kind of they had great little segments like that but then they threw it away with no payoff at the end there's just a scene where they're opening gifts but there's no mm-hmm. comedy or yeah. payoff to that joke that she delivered earlier the part that i liked the most was the little choir that came in that louis was oh, yeah getting uh, money off of cut. <laughs> yeah at least that one had some payoff to it you know it was like they it come was. in they sing the kid immediately starts passing the hat and then louis taking the money from him here's your cut mr louis or whatever here's your yeah. cut yes that was great the, now that showed more character of danny devito than anything the fact that he'd arranged for these kids to come in and sing and then right. to, to take a cut off the top that was great and did louis really like his mom or did he hate her i i was so confused that was the relationship yeah the relationship was very weird he talks about how much he doesn't like her but you do you see these moments like he lives with her but he takes care of her i was confused was he genuinely wanting her to go to Vegas so she would have a good time or did he want her to go to Vegas because he wanted to get rid of her I, no, I, I couldn't I, I figure think it that was out for her. I, was, I picked yeah. up on it was from her I, from what I know about Taxi he actually loves his mom but they fight all the time and he really wanted her and his brother to have a better relationship I don't think it was nefarious right they said and that's and that's the thing about it is like his character is probably one of the more complex characters on the show because you know he definitely comes across as a basically a jerk and he has moments like he said it takes a cut off the top from the choir and stuff like that mm-hmm. which is totally yeah him. and his little moments yeah. He has his moment, but relationship with his mom is always like an ongoing thing, which is they fight, they yell, he yells at her, he calls her names. But, you know, when it comes down to it, though, he's is responsible for her. He takes care of her. He loves her. It's a very weird and very complex relationship, I think. And I tell you one thing, at least there was a Christmas miracle in this episode, because if anybody were to believe that Judd Hirsch could win at poker, holy, <laughs> <laughs> that guy's got to be the worst poker player ever. Oh, my God. Five card stud. Oh, no, no, no. He's betting all this money. You know he's got trips. Come on. <laughs> he's literally bet everything he owns and half of what Louis owns, right? right. It's, like, it's all in the, in the pot. All right. So, John, what was your favorite? So, wh- 
while we're in the 70s, another one of my favorite shows, and I don't use that term lightly, I literally watch this show a couple times a week today. It's the Bob Newhart Show. Mm. First, Bob you Newhart, love that show. a comic genius in his own right. He got his own vehicle in the, uh, in the early 70s. But there's this episode from the fourth season that's called Bob Has to Have His Tonsils Out So He Spends Christmas Eve in the Hospital. <laughs> when you gave that, me that, that is title. accurate. That's, when you gave me that title, I was like, is that the actual title or is that the that's description? Right. Are you I just know, describing I, it? I didn't think it was <laughs> either. I was trying both. to find the episode. I'm yeah, like, surely too. that's just a description. John, can you tell me the title? No, no, that's it. <laughs> that's the title. I've told you what the episode's about, right? So <laughs> <laughs> he has a little scratch in his throat and it's Christmas time and it's his favorite time of the year and everybody is talking about all the great things that are happening for Christmas, but he's going to be in the hospital. And unlike the taxi episode, which to me felt very, very dry, this episode, though it's barely Christmas, it just happens around Christmas time. It is an hilarious episode that's full of running gags and great comedic acting. Of course, Bob and Emily, you know, the the primaries, and then you have Howard Borden and Jerry Robinson, their neighbor and the dentist who are, they're like the Scrooges in this, like they're arguing about Christmas throughout yeah. the time. And then there's this old lady in the hospital named oh, Mrs. She- she Loomis. was fantastic. She was funny. <laughs> she, she's been several times in the series. Used to be a, a patient of Bob Newhart and keeps calling everyone who walks in Mr. Henderson. <laughs> hey, Mr. <laughs> Henderson, why are you? And ultimately, it's this it's another Bob is upset about not having Christmas, but because all his family and friends come in, he actually has a good time and ends up going up and into the children's ward and seeing the kids and that kind of thing. He makes the best of it in the hospital. I just find it a heartwarming episode and hilarious. One thing, I mean, my dad loved this show. I mean, it was like, mm-hmm. it was always like when it came on, we watched it. So I wound up watching it. And I wound up loved. The thing is, when I watched it as a kid, I don't think I really appreciated just mm-hmm. like how amazing the timing, the comedic timing on that show. That's Bob Newhart. <laughs> when the yeah, when the and the other thing I just noticed was like how the circle of people around Bob Newhart they actually mm-hmm. reminded me of Seinfeld, like very egotistical, very self centered. Huh. I've never thought of that before. I guess maybe yeah. No, I mean like now Bob Newhart is like the moral kind of moral center, I think, but the rest of the people. Seem like they have very little morals, actually. Um, I enjoyed rewatching that one. That, I hadn't seen that one in God knows decades. What'd you think of this one, George? Had you seen this before? And if so, what'd you think of it? Uh, so Bob Newhart was a show that my father would watch occasionally wasn't like, you know, oh, it's appointment TV type of thing. But uh-huh. I never, and John, I know you're going to hate this. I don't like Bob <laughs> Newhart as a comedian. I don't think really? he's very okay. good. No, I don't like his shows. Uh, his second run show where he was the innkeeper, that one yeah. I enjoyed a little bit more, but it wasn't because of him. It was because of the other people in the show. See, I didn't care for that one at all, actually. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. This show to me is just too dry for me. You, you mentioned that, you know, it wasn't as dry as Taxi. I felt this was drier than Taxi. Really? Yeah, really? I really huh. didn't enjoy Not for much you. about the episode. The only two characters that I liked and that the that had some funny lines to me were the old lady and then his patient, the guy who's psycho and writing down lists and everything. Oh, yeah, he's Those a two people right. yeah. yep, yep. are the only reason why I halfway enjoyed the episode at all. I, it's not a Christmas episode. I don't care what anybody says. It just happens to happen at Christmas. This That's is, during Christmas season. That's it's it. It's yeah. definitely not a Christmas episode. And I think we will find that in a lot of these episodes as we're going forward that not not all of them are Christmas episodes. They just happen to be the episode that was on around Christmas. So somebody threw up some trees and some lights and maybe a Santa Claus into the story that was already written. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. So while we're in the 70s, George, did you have one that you picked that fit this kind of realm? Okay, go for it. I did. It wasn't just me, though. I think Mo also had this one as one of the items on his list. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. It's The Jeffersons, Mm -hmm. Season 4, Episode 15. And I'm going to give you the title, 984 West 124th Street, Mm. Apartment 5C. That's not an, I mean, that is an address, but that's also the title title. of the episode. Right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I Sherman Helmsley, I think is one of the most underrated actors of the 70s. This is the only episode on the list that when I got done watching the episode, I noticed I had been crying. Me too. Very powerful, very moving. Yeah, it was. Absolutely a Christmas story involved in this one. This is not one of those that they just happen to have some decorations. I thought there were some great running gags throughout the whole thing. The maid drinking the eggnog through the whole thing. I think you're going to have to bring them to the eggnog. That'll be a lot easier than me carrying it out to them. And the doorman coming up and saying, I noticed you haven't got me my Christmas gift yet. I just wanted to give you this list. I wanted to save you the burden of bringing it downstairs to me or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> how about if i just give you cash that's the top of my list right here. <laughs> so if somebody listening hasn't seen this episode like i hadn't before we prepared for this describe the premise what's happening in this uh, 984 sure. west 124th episode so the jeffersons are celebrating christmas as i stated with all their family and friends around and one of Mr. Jefferson's workers comes to drop off some stuff at the house, and he also lets slip that he's going to make another delivery run for Mr. Jefferson to this address somewhere in Harlem. Mm -hmm. And of course, George's wife, Wheezy, gets really upset because she wants to know, why are we sending stuff to this uh, other address? And George makes up all these excuses. Oh, it's a tax thing for my lawyer to do. (laughs) I have to give this money over to this other thing. And then, oh, there was a Christmas tree that was delivered to this place as well. And oh, look, the worker dropped off a present that was supposed to be delivered so george leaves in the middle of the christmas party to go deliver this gift and she's losing her mind yeah. she is convinced that he has cheated on her has yeah, a course. child in his house or something yeah yep. yeah yeah and, and that's what they're leading you to believe as an mm-hmm. audience too you're expecting like he, instead of like just being honest about it he plays like he's very secretive and it's very hush hush and oh, oh no you didn't hear that and he, they play it up like that's what you think is gonna happen and there's good reason because there's an embarrassment factor that George Jefferson feels right and he doesn't want to let that slip because if you've watched the show you know George Jefferson's ego is what drives his success in the way he lives and that's Mm. prevalent throughout the entire series so he ends up dropping off this gift Wheezy follows him as any good wife crazy (laughs) you gotta stalk him (laughs) it's Christmas heaven's sake and a little boy opens the door when he hears them shouting outside and he's like who are you guys oh we're just visiting friends that live here and then he sees the present that George dropped off the door look mom another present got dropped off and she's like what the they end up getting invited into the house which has a family living in it a husband wife and child Mm -hmm. and it turns out that George Jefferson used to live in that exact apartment himself when he was a child. I'm getting chills as you tell this part of the story. Yeah, I'm getting chills. I know, right? <laughs> he made a promise to himself that if he ever made it big, there would never be another bad Christmas in that apartment. So that he apartment. has been sending money. <laughs> he has been sending Christmas trees. He has been sending gifts to that apartment anonymously for years right. yeah. since his dry cleaning business took off. I, I love this episode. Mm-hmm. Because one, if you ever watch the Jeffersons, it's not a heavy 
heavy show normally. No, not normally. Like sure, comedy, yeah. it's comedy. Like you said, like a lot of the running gags are basically most of the other shows. It's just these running gags. It's one of the pure comedies on our list for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so for this one though, to see that other side of George Jefferson, you know, it's like a kind of a peek behind the curtain of his personality. Like this is all like a yeah, facade kind right. of thing. Like his ego and all that is just like a front. And you kind of see like this is a guy with a lot of heart with more behind him than just like this big mouth, bigger than life kind of character. And it's not a Scrooge story because what it ultimately shows is he's not a Scrooge. He puts no, on a Scrooge facade, yeah. but he has a warm heart and he's trying to pay it forward. And that's that thing. It's like showing the the tenderness and the sweetness and the thoughtfulness and the giving that I think makes this a really good Christmas episode. And, you know, and I loved it too. His reveal to Wheezy too, the emotions that played across his face yeah. when he did mm-hmm. that reveal, that's when I first really started tearing up in this episode. And I couldn't stop from that point forward. That man, Sherman Helmsley, I don't know if he did or didn't, but he definitely deserved an Emmy win for this episode alone. That I mean, episode, yeah. I loved that series. That was one of my favorite series growing up as a kid, so that's why I probably enjoyed this episode so much. But I, I think he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and for a character who, like you said, he he's built on ego and braggadocio. Mm-hmm. And, and for him to be, I do not want the credit. I do not want to tell these people. This is a promise I'm keeping to myself. Yep. So... Let it go. And it, yeah, it was what a great Christmas story. It's I've added it to my regular roster of Christmas episodes. Thank you for suggesting it. <laughs> Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Merry Christmas, Merry, Merry Christmas from your Kmart Christmas store. Save on sweaters and on hats, bowling balls and baseball bats. Cameras, TVs, bikes and plants, goldfish, bath boys, slivers, pants. Mirrors, dresses, perfume, socks, toasters, roasters, robes and clocks. Candy records, films and toys at Santa Land for girls and boys. Christmas smiles on every place at Kmart's Christmas Saving Place. It is time now to hit up the main decade of the Gen X experience, and that is the (laughs) 80s. And we have a couple of items on this list that were suggested both by Mo. So I'm going to let him start, but I don't think there's any doubt that all three of us watch these series during this time period. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. What's your first one, Mo? Oh, the first one was Night Court. Part of that Thursday night lineup. I Mm -hmm. never missed an episode of that one. And it was one in season one, episode two, back in 1984. It was called Santa Goes Downtown. (sighs) Yep. This is a great episode. This is basically Miracle on 34th Street happening on Night Court. With a little bit of like insanity. With a little insanity. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys know Night Court. It's so basically his his normal caseload are like prostitutes and insane people and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And there's a guy who comes up and he says he's Santa Claus. Right. Yep. He's arrested for vagrancy, essentially. Yep. And so that and the thing that made it this episode kind of cool was that one, well, Mike Shay Fox is in it. Yeah. But which I thought he did a really great job. It was like he he's another one I think was kind of a little underrated as an actor. Like everyone sees him as, you know, the back to the future and that kind of stuff. But he did, I thought he did a really great job in this in this particular episode. Well he was just playing a punk and he was a yeah. young punk at that time. So it wasn't mm-hmm. a big stretch. That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, no, but he's but his personality, if you've seen Mike Michael J. Fox in interviews and stuff he's done later. He's not the jerk type of guy. He's actually no. a very nice, humble very, individual. Right, right, right. Yep. And yep. he played a complete burnout jerk type of character in this episode. I thought he, he did a well. fine job with it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And the thing I guess you like said that whole Miracle on 34th Street kind of vibe to it is that at first I was always insane. He's crazy. Everyone kind of assumes that. Of course, you know, Harry Anderson's character kind of like plays into it because, you know, he's, he's kind of humoring nice him way. a little bit. Yeah, humors he's trying him to a little play bit. along some. He's, he's being kind, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. He basically. knows it's not Santa, but he's being kind to this old man. Right. Yeah. Then like these little nuggets of like information or things kind of this guy drops and got and has yeah, like, like he everybody knows stuff he's not supposed to know about right. everybody can figure out how he knows it like they keep saying oh well maybe he called or overheard this conversation or got a hold of right. that file or something like no he's just sitting there waiting his turn and everything to me it was a really great episode and i think it's important to point out that this was episode number two of the entire series it was the second one right this was season one episode two yeah and this actually aired in january if you remember the premise of the story was so later a doctor comes and says he left he, this yeah. mental care facility right. he leaves every year just before christmas and we don't get him back till february so like maybe he <laughs> is out being santa right <laughs> yeah, he just lives at this mental home. <laughs> he has that heart episode and the doctor comes in and takes care of him and as he's leaving he goes, how'd you like that putter your wife got you? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Harry is like, well what else is a doctor going to get for Christmas? Of course he got a putter, right? <laughs> right? All these reasons he might not be, but. Well and then there's the whole reveal about knowing the kids' names he's like, let me look at that file and he looks at Michael J. Fox and the other uh, young ladies' names in the file and then he starts talking to them and they're like how did you know my name? Blah 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 and it's this big you know, see, and then as he's leaving they yep. open up the file and they read that the names are completely different in the file right that he then he said which he got right and everybody's like he actually did know it all yes right. <laughs> yep and a little subtle thing too he points out well you know i really start working hard in march i take january and february off and then i start working hard in march and if the doctor is accurate saying we don't usually get him back until february or march and i'm like oh right. he's working hard in the insane asylum <laughs> yeah yep. Oh, yep that's cute yeah. yep. And I also noticed this had the same Santa mythology as the Tim Allen series, the Santa Claus with an E, the concept that he's the current Santa until Mm. someone else, they pass on the mantle and do something else. Same idea in that film that initiated in here, Night Court, that idea that Santa is who's currently Santa, like the king or who's earned it or who's wearing the mantle. But Mm -hmm. by the end, you're left to believe that this very kind old drunk (laughs) just might be Santa. Might be Santa. And one, I just, the late great Harry Anderson and all that, you know, just seeing that whole cast because i think that was just an amazing ensemble cast that they put together for that show and so the second one i picked from the 80s is uh roseanne i mean <laughs> and this aired on uh season six in 1988 i think it was and it was the white trash christmas mm. and <laughs> and so okay this now no, just I, I love this episode i don't know why well actually i do know why they, <laughs> because the basic premise is that you know it's christmas as usual they overdo like the holidays like Roseanne and the holidays they always overdo like Halloween and Christmas they overdo it right and they get a letter from their neighborhood saying that their <laughs> decorations are uh, tacky I guess they're trying to put nicely the, so the homeowners association <laughs> yeah. who, who I also have a tenuous love-hate relationship with in my own home me too <laughs> sent them a letter that said uh, just tasteful white lights this year please right yeah. <laughs> none of the stuff that we've seen in the past and as they're reading it it's the stuff they've got laid out in their living room ready to put up and i love it because their reaction isn't yeah we're gonna do this they're like we're gonna go the other way they saw it as a challenge like how audacious can we be i love how during the whole episode they keep bringing like oh guess what i got it just just gets worse and worse the neon light she put up on the side of the house 
was yeah. perfect. I don't know who was in like the props department found that item. or something? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Was that like, was so awesome. through the gauntlet down. I'm like, oh, this is great. And so and the reason why I love this one is it reminds me of like my first Christmas in my house. And so with the kids and, so, you know, the kids are little and all that stuff. So I said, oh, I'm going to put Christmas lights up. And so I put Christmas lights up and da, da, da And then my neighbor put Christmas lights up. And he put the same thing that I had plus one additional thing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a decoration off with your neighbor? Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. And so I, I was like, well, we can't have that. This is the first crystal. I bought like one of those snow globe Santa inflatable things from my yard. Yep. He bought like <laughs> animatronic reindeer. And so, and so this, this went on for the entire like two weeks going up to Christmas. It was so bad at the, <laughs> when I turned my lights on Christmas Eve, you could literally read in my front yard at night. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bright. I had so many, I want to tell you what my electric bill was. I had so we between the two of us, I think we were rerouting birds. I mean, we had so many I lights. think that's important to make a point that the Roseanne episode, White Trash Christmas, it wasn't that it was a Christmas miracle type of story. It was a nope. here's what really happens in America on Christmas for a large portion of the population, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what made it a Christmas episode. You're right. The whole A story had nothing to do with Christmas. It had to do with with a check and tuition and how you're going to spend this money right. and, and mm-hmm. getting education versus investing or whatever, you know, in somebody else's future. The B story was the Christmas story that had to do with gradually adding lights. There was a C story as well with Darlene being away at college and little Oh, yes. Uh, right. Oh, yeah, that too. Finding out that she's living with her boyfriend and stuff. I right. Mean, yep. They threw a lot of stuff in this episode, and I thought they blended it together very well. Now, I'm not saying it's a Christmas episode in the traditional sense of the Jeffersons style sure. of Christmas episode, yeah. no, no, but no. it is definitely a Christmas episode because yes. of the way they focused on what families go through during holiday times, which are often stressful for a large portion of the population. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. It's, it's often about, you know, money and interpersonal and stuff like that. That's why they say that the holidays are such a stressful time of year, mm-hmm. because it's not just about what you see on the surface and what's at the mall. You're right. But, you know, I, I love at least the kicker to this episode. Definitely the funniest part was the payoff for all the decorations. When they walk outside to turn it on at the shot from inside the house, oh. and it looks like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like spotlights yeah. in the house. They must have put in a fog machine so the light would fill the room. It would just look ridiculous and hilarious. And that was the ending shot, which I love. Yeah, that was great. Like, I want to see the follow-up, what the Homeowners Association had to say to them after that. That's what I'd love to know. <laughs> just white lights this year. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. On the first day of Christmas, I left the Hallmark store With a stuffed toy named Rodney Reindeer On the next day, I bought Rhonda, and then I added more Now I do the song before, dance with Rhonda Hallmark, thank you Three puppy toys, two girls and boys One more for the treat, and the stuffed toy named Rodney Reindeer Give Rodney and Rhonda Reindeer this Christmas, they're only at Hallmark We've made our way up into the 90s now and later, even some more modern shows. We mentioned at the top that this is not a trend that went away. Even modern shows tend to still do Christmas episodes just because such rich mythology to mine and all the themes of Christmas and stuff. And and George, as our youngest Gen X grown up, you picked a couple of great ones from the 90s and beyond here. So why don't you give us your first one, which is a series that you have watched over and over and over. (laughs) Yeah, I um, tried to look through my Plex server because you can look at 
how many times a thing's been viewed and stuff. And oh, yeah. on my Plex server, it, it's apparently beyond its capacity to see how many times I've watched the series. <laughs> I've run, I've, I've cycled the list, I guess. I don't know how many entries you are rolled it over. But, yeah. yeah, we're talking about The Office, the U.S. version of The Office. I love right. that series, as you know. And they had multiple Christmas episodes throughout yeah, yeah. that series. It was nine seasons worth of just total hilarity. I picked one from season three called A Benihana Christmas. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Just the title, just I know. Thinking, it's, just thinking it's, about the episode makes you laugh, though. It's, it was a funny right. one. Yeah, yeah. In the early part of the episode, Steve Carell's character, his current girlfriend of the time who was his former real estate agent she breaks up with him <laughs> and an ugly breakup too because the man decided to photoshop his face into a christmas card with her ex-husband and her children on a ski trip he just put his face over her ex-husband's face and said what you didn't realize was that i was there with you in your heart and she's like no, in your heart yeah creepy this is over. i'm done so unfortunately for him he has bought two tickets to sandals all inclusive you know what that means <laughs> you know <laughs> and he wants to take her on this trip out of nowhere. You know, he's only been dating her for like a few weeks. He's already proposed to her in a previous episode. It's awful. At the same time, the <laughs> office is doing a toy collection drive and they're going to have their Christmas party, which that gets really weird toward the end of the episode. The reason why it's called a Benihana Christmas, though, is because Andy, who wants to take Steve Carell's character mm -hmm. out right. for, you know, make him feel better at lunch. He takes him to the best restaurant on the planet, Benihana. Benihana's. <laughs> they pick up two waitresses, bring them back to the party. The waitresses look so similar and Steve Carell is so drunk <laughs> that he can't tell them apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes oh, it's so it's, wrong but so funny for all the hilarity of that and and like the racial insensitivity and the, mm -hmm. the awkwardness of all of that and then layered on top of it or behind it however you want to look at there's the the two office parties which is yes. actually my favorite part of the show mm -hmm. the benihana part was secondary to me funny but secondary the two office parties. You have the party planning committee. Oh my God. And then there's a splinter faction, which is the, the committee to plan committee parties. for planning parties. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're holding a separate one. That's going to have all the discarded ideas that didn't make the planning committee from Angela, right? They're going to have drinks. They're going to have karaoke. They're going to have dancing, all the things that right. aren't in the official party. Cause Angela's running it her way. And she just totally stomps on Karen, who is yep. at the time, Jim's girlfriend from the other branch after they've merged. And <laughs> she's just stomped on all her ideas. So Pam, who feels bad for her and wants to make a good showing of being friends with her and Jim says, well, let's form our own committee. And so they have the fun party. And of course, Angela has the very austere nutcracker very dry party, party. right yeah. there's like three people at her party and she won't give him another cupcake because not so everyone's had one and there's nobody else there kevin has one of the best lines in the episode when he's like so there's two parties but one of them has fudge brownies and but it also has angela fudge brownies, he's weighing his options angela angela fudge brownies, fudge brownies. angela <laughs> And he's like just shaking his head with this impossible conundrum of what to do. 
And then, but finally, there's a heartwarming end. Like, it, actually, the second party was almost done out of spite. Yeah, it was. But it was completely oh, it was. out of spite. Totally but then they're like, you know what? Those people on Christmas are actually having a bad time because the party didn't go well. They come and offer an olive branch and go, Angela, would you be interested in merging the mm-hmm. two parties? And yes. she's like, I'll entertain it. Like, you know, she wants to. She's dying <laughs> yeah. to, but she can't let it let it be known that she's dying to. And it ends up being heartwarming, except for the fact that Michael loses yet another girlfriend and right. picks up a third. He, well, the, yeah, uh, he, he, so he, he loses one girlfriend. He kind of has a pseudo, what he calls a rebound. He rebounds with the Benny Hanna waitress that he has to mark her arm to tell her <laughs> apart from the other one. <laughs> And then he makes a phone call at the end of the episode who, if you've watched the rest of the series, no spoilers, you know, he calls his former boss. Right. And he asks her to go to Sandals with him and it starts a whole new crazy storyline. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I love, John, you mentioned about her merging the parties and Angela being reticent. And then she asks him, well, I don't know. Does your karaoke machine have Christmas songs? And they're like, yes, it does. But we can't use it because there's no power cord. She's like, I might have seen it. (laughs) She walks out and she stuck it in a plant in the office. Does it look like this one? Yeah, that might be it. (laughs) She'd sabotage the karaoke. Oh, Mo, what did you think of it, though? Oh, I mean, I love The Office, too. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've rewatched that series. And this one, though, I mean, the one about marking the arm, though, it was so wrong and so funny. <laughs> that yeah. I, I can't. It was like, it was painful, which that show has a lot of painful moments to watch, right? Especially, you know, like stuff you're like, I can't watch this, but I have to watch it because it's like a train wreck that you're just, you know, it's just going that way. It's like you almost feel guilty for laughing at it, you know? Yeah, exactly. But it was hilarious. Yeah. And to be fair, those two actresses did look a lot alike. They were well, a similar you. body they, shape. They, they, yeah, they yeah. did. <laughs> no, they did. Anyway, they. <laughs> Just joking. I'm just joking. One of them had bangs. The other one didn't. That was the only difference that I could figure out. Other than that, absolute twins. (laughs) Okay, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) But then like the whole idea is like sticking with the Christmas themes, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea at the end was like, it's about together. It's about being a a family and, you know, merging the parties, I think was that kind of representation of that. And all the episodes I really enjoyed, but that one I particularly enjoyed. Yeah. And they made a point of running those Christmas stories every season, almost even to the point of the final season when Dwight finally got his Christmas, his Christmas story to happen, you know, what he wanted. He mentions all the other Christmas episodes, their themes. He mentions those when he's begging to have his own in Ah, season nine. And he said, you, you got this and you got this, right? Yep. Yeah. And I love that about The Office, that they carry jokes all the way through all nine seasons. Well, it's a payoff for sticking around. Yeah. Yeah. You can watch <laughs> this episode and enjoy it. But if you continue to watch the rest of the series, you get to enjoy it over and over again because they keep the themes running. I think that was what was so great about The Office. Now, my second pick didn't do that at all, really. But <laughs> I think this is another one of those that is in the Christmas miracle sense of a Christmas TV episode. Well, and this is a series that is purely a Gen X series. Man, Absolutely. is it Gen X. Oh, yeah. geez. <laughs> it's the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air from season four, 1993. <laughs> sorry, just, uh, just no. the idea that that was Will Smith's acting start uh, yep. boggles the imagination. He kicked... That's all I'm going to say. He, he obviously uh, developed a career out of still it. Still watching it. I mean, 
you can be suspicious of that statement, but the man is a multi-billion dollar actor now. Oh, no, so. no, 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 no. You can be wrong. Even he admits that when he did like the first few seasons of this show, how horrible he was. Yeah, but he developed it. He wasn't an oh, actor no, no. before. Yeah, he, he was had... learning on the job. Well, yep. actually, he went to classes too. I think he like took it, like he didn't want to be embarrassed. Oh, he did. That's, yeah. that's why he became a better actor. But it just cracks me up though when you watch these seasons. You're like, oh my God, this is a guy who played Ali. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. like, but he know. had charisma out of the gate. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He did. Absolutely. And this was from season four. It was called Twas the Night Before Christening. Mm-hmm. And right. so this one starts off as a flashback episode. It's the only one on the list, I think, that does. Uncle Phil is talking to his youngest child at this point, and the little child is about to go to sleep, and he says, tell me the story about the four middle names again. You're like, what the hell is this kid talking about? <laughs> little Nicky, and he's says, you've heard this a million times. Yeah, but I, I forget, like a little child would, to get a story. <laughs> yeah. So the whole episode is themed around the fact that Right before Nikki's christening, when he's a very young child, all the family members are getting him gifts, including even the butler who's getting Mm -hmm. these great gifts. And Will gets him this little cheap thing that he's embarrassed to give to him now that everybody, I mean, even uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff gives him a Rolex that Santa left in the washroom, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) So he's so embarrassed that he makes this crazy statement that he got boys to men to sing at this child's christening because, of course, he's from West Philadelphia, born and raised. Boys to men are from Philadelphia, and he says they knew each other, which is all a big lie at that point. Other people overhear him, and so they all start making plans and arrangements around boys to men being at this christening, and he's like, I don't know what to do. Well, by a miracle, boys to men are recording a studio album in Los Angeles at that time. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> and he somehow sneaks into the studio and turns out he knows boys to men, but not in the way he wanted to. Apparently, he stole a girlfriend from one of the boys to men group. <laughs> so they want nothing to do with him. Right. Yep. Oh, man. So he has to sneak back in as Santa so they don't recognize yeah. him to right. finally ask him. This child desperately you know, wants to have boys to men perform there. Very much like the dragnet we talked about at the beginning. He's <laughs> resigned that it's not going to happen. We're not going to find the baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. He came to apologize. And at the end, so he's standing up saying, you know, I, I, I said I was going to have boys to men here, but I just have to let you know. And then boom. They start singing in the back of the room and they did show up. Yeah. And as they walk by the, uh, the base <laughs> of the group, he says, Merry Christmas, Will. Merry Christmas. Yeah. You know, and everybody's <laughs> shaking great. Will's hand and everything. The whole time, though, there's the voiceovers of Uncle Phil, who, you know, I'm sad that that actor has passed away. James Avery, right. I believe. Tell is that story. Name. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. such a sad that because he was such a good person, according to everybody who's talked about him in interviews since. And he's doing the voiceovers the whole time. You know, Will really stuck his foot in his mouth this time. And <laughs> yeah. you know, yes. all this stuff. Right. And at the very end of the episode, you know, they come back and he's like, the butler gets named the godson because the two aunts are fighting over who's going to be the godmother. And so, you know, just out of nowhere, they name the the butler. That's his Christmas gift, his Christmas miracle. Right. And the little boy gets to, you know, he says, can I see my godfather now? And so the butler comes in and <laughs> Jeffrey's like, right. you know, hey, little Nikki, Merry Christmas to you, too. And he's like, now go get me some milk and cookies. <laughs> 
like, you're, you're still the butler, man. Well, that's going to wind up our look back at some of these great old Christmas-themed episodes of old television <laughs> shows. And, and there were hundreds to pick from. If uh, there was one in there oh, that you really geez. liked, I hope you'll write us and let us know. Or if there's one you'd like to hear about in the future, we might address this again in the future. What were your yeah. favorite Christmas episodes of shows? We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back in two weeks with another Backtrack, but next week with our regular edition of our show. Until then, I am John. Mo, thank you so much for being here. Always fun, man. George, you know I appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. And fourth listener, it's you. We all appreciate most of all, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Jet X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Who wrote in with the subject line Toy Story Memory? Oh, Toy Story? Story. What the f? Are you sure you're ready to start? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's two minutes and that's like 17 errors already. <laughs> well, you don't have record. to know that unless you say it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cheer. We'd like to acknowledge the Evergreen team for making this podcast possible. You can listen to Cheer and more of our podcasts by subscribing on your favorite podcast app or visit evergreenpodcast.com. From all of us at Evergreen, we wish you a happy holiday season. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.